Hello, welcome back to MLEX's weekly podcast covering the top stories in regulatory affairs from around the globe with the assistance of our team of dedicated and specialised reporters. My name is James Paniki. I'm MLEX's Asia-Pacific Senior Editor, and it's great to see you again. Today we have a special edition of the program. As you'll know from previous podcasts, MLEX has embarked on a brave venture into the regulation of tomorrow with a new service that we're referring to simply as future mobility. The premise is simple enough. The world is quickly embracing new technology when it comes to transportation, in particular cars. The push is being led by the need to address environmental concerns, so the promotion of electric cars designed to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and pollution. And that comes, or will come, with a whole suite of accompanying regulation, taking in energy policy and even municipal regulation that's needed to develop recharging stations. Alongside that are the challenges of managing data-generating connected cars and even self-driving cars, again with myriad regulatory challenges on the horizon. Now, I say on the horizon, but in fact these issues aren't really that far off. Regulators are already having to play catch-up given the pace of technological change. So who's going to make sense of all of these changes? Now, that's where MLEX steps in. As part of this new endeavour, MLEX has published a special report featuring the writing of the two journalists who are spearheading this new beat, Jakob Krupa and Shu Wan. It's ready for you to download and it features prominently at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Jakob joins me today from London and Shu Wan is speaking to us from Shanghai. So uh, Shu Wan, starting from you, tell me something about... Uh, why this type of coverage is indeed significant at this particular point in time. Um, Hi, James. Um, I think now there is a global consensus that governments around the world need to act in response to um, the climate change crisis. Um, And when it comes to carbon emission, transportation is a big contributor. Um, So I'll start with um, China. So for China, when the plan was first raised or uh, initiative, um, uh, it is part of an important initiative to transform the country from uh, a big auto market to a strong uh, car manufacturing country with some uh, international brands. Um, So that's for the industry development angle. And China has also set very ambitious goals to achieve uh, peak carbon emission by 2030 uh, and then carbon neutrality by 2060. So I think they're counting on the electrification of the auto sector a lot to achieve these uh, goals. Uh, And then if you look at the U.S., you have the uh, Biden executive order in January this year uh, about tackling the climate crisis. Uh, So they set um, goals to achieve um, net zero emission economy wide by no later than 2050. Uh, So in that plan, they said it says the United States has set a goal to reach Uh, 100% carbon pollution-free electricity by 2035. And Jakob, what's the state of play in Europe on this front? I think it's pretty similar. I I think there's a substantial shift in public attitudes to that for a number of reasons, you know, being that CO targets, but also the impact that people are seeing themselves of climate change in in a number of European countries for the first time in years. Um, 
they would see something that you know you can, you can no longer deny that this is the impact of climate change and obviously that is linked to emissions and earlier this year there was a very good report saying that more than a half of consumers in the UK, France and Germany for the first time in history said they would consider a battery powered vehicle because of you know, the fact that they they, they just realised that this switch is inevitable and probably good for, for the environment and and sure, there are still problems with prices. The electric cars are much more expensive. There are problems with range anxiety, with the infrastructure. They're still not ready for mass use of electric vehicles and will be playing that kind of weird catch-up for years when we'll have a rising number of electric cars, but also extremely rising number of, of things like charging points. And as a result, obviously, governments are trying to manage that transition. And, you know, we have, I'm sure we'll be talking about it in, in more detail. We have government subsidies, both for customers and for the industry, and trying to help people with that switch. Um, but I think it's it's pretty telling that, for example, in France, in Germany, but also in the UK, um, overall uh, new car sales are down this year. But for electric vehicles, they are up and the market shows up. And I think this is a really critical point. And, and, and to come at this point to this story and report on this, I think it's, it's absolutely fundamental for us to be there and report on this uh, you know, as it happens. Okay, so much for uh, energy policies around the world. But let's quickly recap on what governments are doing around the world in the push for electric cars and uh, supports and subsidies for electric cars, maybe starting from you, Jakub. There's all sorts of activity, and I think in Europe in particular, we, we see that the governments are committed to this. Most of the countries have adopted some sort of targets to ban sales of petrol and diesel cars, be that uh, by 2030, which is effectively the UK's target at 2035 in other countries. And, you know, again, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of activity there in different forms and shapes. So, for example, when you think about state aid, but also things with competition angle. Um, you, you can look, for example, at Tesla, its new gigafactory in Germany, which is expected to get substantial support from the German government and, and through the European funds. We reported on that um, at Emlex uh, quite recently. Similarly, all sorts of subsidies for drivers to make that switch. UK government is paying essentially a bit of money, realising that the, the difference in price is just so big. And normally people will be like, yeah, I want to make that switch, but I'm just not going to spend three times the amount of money I would pay for for a normal being petrol or diesel car uh, just to make that switch. But also all sorts of subsidies for example, in the UK, um, to get uh, at-home charging points or at-work charging points. So essentially to make sure that once you have that car, you can charge it and get from A to B quite easily and without any problems. And finally, I think there's also a third way of making people aware or kind of pushing them, nudging them towards that switch. Um, And that's all sorts of regulations on energy and emissions. So for example, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you have those bans by 2030-2035, but even now, for example, city centres are increasingly being excluded or you have to pay if you want to drive into them uh, with, a, with an older car or not, not an electric car. For example, London is extending its ULES ultra-low emission zone um, by a couple of miles again um, later this year just to make sure that people increasingly think about it and think about that making that switch. Um, and that obviously is both a kind of policy from the from the city hall in London, but also it, 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 with that, you know, we have calls from senior politicians saying, look, we need to help people who live in the cities to make that switch. And Shuwan, what's your take on all of this? How do you see it developing? Um, I think we, um, so China, 
um, has been ahead of a lot of countries in this aspect uh, in terms of government support. Um, I think they started um, subsidizing the industry as early as 2009, and it's still continuing, although recently they've said they will uh, gradually cut the subsidies uh, every year. Um, So the most recent goal for the country is at 20% electric car sales by 2025 and perhaps half, 50% by 2035. And then I think what's interesting in the global dynamic is that, as you can see in the U.S., uh, it's uh, the U.S. is trying to catch up with China. So in the introduction of the government's infrastructure bill, it actually uh, specifically highlighted that uh, the U.S. market share of plug-in electric vehicle uh, sales is only one-third the size of the Chinese EV market. Um, and it says the president believes that must change. So the Biden administration wants 50% of cars sold by 2030 are electric, as well as a national network of 500,000 chargers. There are also tax credit or incentives to encourage people to buy electric cars. I think um, so from all these, you can see that U.S. is the latest um, participant in this frenzy to 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 subsidize the sector. Okay, look, so much for the policy settings, but maybe Shuwan, uh, tell us something about how regulators are responding to uh, this challenge at the moment. Yeah, sure. Um, in China, the regulators are um, actually doing quite a lot recently. Uh, they've come up with uh, some regulations uh, specifically for the connected car sector on issues including cybersecurity, uh, data protection, uh, over-the-air updates, um, as well as a carbon emission. So I think a lot of people have uh, read a very high-profile uh, investigation recently by the Chinese internet regulator into a company called DD, which is China's uh, Uber. Um, and the cause of the investigation is data security. And I think shortly after that investigation was announced, which in itself was quite rare uh, for China, um, the regulator published um, a set of rules specifically for data protection in the auto sector. And that covers from car makers to uh, ride-hailing apps uh, operators. So they think they really think data security is a very important issue. And then if you go look at the U.S. side, I think according to some uh, experts in the industry, uh, the regulation in the U.S. is a bit slow, but they're hoping that the, the build up of foreign regulatory regime can give a push to the U.S., but they are also acting, I think, recently, uh, just last month, there is an investigation by uh, the safety regulator, uh, highway tra- uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, uh, into Tesla over the autopilot functions um, after a dozen, a dozen crashes that they identified. Uh, um, but there are state-level rules in the U.S., uh, and there are also um, legislation efforts, although so far they have not been very successful. Jakob, how are you seeing this uh, response on the part of regulators developing from your perspective? Yeah, I, th- I think, to be to be honest, um, a lot of regulators are still trying to figure it out themselves and kind of think about what's the best way to, to approach it. In terms of electric cars, for example, we have 
uh, of Germ UK's energy regulator. Um, recently, we had an important announcement from them about the fact that they'll be trying to lower the costs of installing new charging points by essentially changing it, slightly, slightly making um, installation costs um, lower and easier for um, infrastructure providers to do that. So there is that element of changing something to make make it easier for companies to um, essentially roll out um charging point infrastructure for for electric cars um but then similarly you have all sorts of other regulators being active and i think with time we'll see more of them cooperating and working together so cma the competitions and markets authority um has been working on on competition issues in electric cars and looking at it again infrastructure again how you have all sorts of deals that's been signed up for like several years ahead about you know using infrastructure for charging um, vehicles at service stations and how this could possibly uh, be difficult for competition but also um, uh, effectively hampering the rollout of electric vehicles again data protection issues uh, that Sean mentioned as well surely something is going to come up very very soon as we see increasingly uh, an increasing number of, of connected cars that that can use that sort of data and for example the law commission in the uk is currently working on um trying to come up with a set of rules for automated vehicles and autonomous vehicles of all sorts um again this is pretty early uh and, and this will this will take time but it's pretty clear that regulators want to keep keep a keen eye on this from the very start rather than you know play a catch-up once things go wrong i think that will be that will be very interesting to see to what extent they can they can stay ahead if you were um in this game i think that will be really interesting one to follow okay now in closing let me ask you both the same question what do you think are the top regulatory issues that um are likely to come to mind when it comes to connected cars maybe Jakob, let's start with you i think that most of this is actually really fascinating and it's really for the because it's all all new and because there's so many questions that are unresolved or well perhaps we don't even know the right questions just yet but i think something that i'm particularly looking at is access to in-vehicle data and again we reported on this at MLEX over the last few days as the EU is working on its new proposal on this uh, literally uh, just a few days ago we had a high profile meeting representing a, a new report by a um, uh, UK consultancy commissioned by the EU to come up with a plan about how you can for example install new apps on your car how how they can collect data how they can use data how your car can be used in all sorts of ways for be it, you know maintenance purposes or be it safety on the road purposes but also for commercial purposes and I think getting that right will be particularly interesting and also the balance you know between how much do we expect the manufacturers of cars to be active on this and kind of if you know play some sort of role of policing that market and checking if the apps are not you know weird or do the right thing or to what extent we just rely on some sort of other processes and essentially consent from the drivers i think that will be something really interesting to follow and to see because obviously at stake you have so much data be it personal data be it, you know really important data about traffic uh, so this could revolutionize the way we we look at it but it's just very very complex but also similarly in terms of um, going a bit, I think, more into the future, uh, looking at autonomous vehicles, you have all sorts of questions around safety and liability. Now, normally you would expect the drivers to be liable for whatever happens to you on the road, but obviously if you're driving in your Tesla Autopilot or anything, any of the competitive, you know, competitive um, products, 
um, and you crash into something, how does that work? Who is responsible for that? How does that change the insurance industry, for example? Uh, so I think, again, a massive, massive question there with no good answers at the moment. If I'm sure the regulators will be keeping a keen eye on this. That's right. You can't blame Elon Musk when, you're, uh, when your automated car uh, goes crashing. I'm sure they will try. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Um, Shuwan, what do you think uh, are the big, the big issues here? Um, I, I definitely agree um, on the data protection point. One issue I want to highlight is um, data ownership because um, since we since data generated from the cars, connected cars, is potentially profitable, it will uh, become a money-making industry. So that would naturally uh, lead to the issue of data ownership. And actually, Chinese antitrust official recently pointed out at a conference that among the regulatory challenges, uh, the connected car sector uh, poses one of them is uh, who owns the data. And I also think cybersecurity is going to be a big issue. Um, if you're going to have all the cars connected to the internet, um, you will have the risk of being hacked um, and so on. Uh, and also agree that uh, there will be the traditional old issues uh, that are already in the sector, um, product safety, consumer disputes, consumer consumer protection. They're not going away. They're just um, they there probably will be more of them. Like for example, in China, there recently was discussion whether these smart car makers are exaggerating about the uh, driving assistance features. Uh, essentially, some people argue they are misleading people into uh, believing that the function doesn't require any human attention, and sometimes it um, uh, leads to uh, uh, tragic crashes. And the very same problem was in the US as well, with very similar discussions about, you know, to what extent do you mislead the public about the fact that your drive can, your car can drive itself. So it, it just shows that the same the same issues are everywhere. And I think that's why this is a really big global story that we will be covering here at Emlex. So the take-home message there is to not fall asleep yet in your uh, smart connected car. That might be uh, premature. But uh, Shuan Yakub, thank you so much for writing this special report. It's a fantastic read. I really appreciate it. Let's talk again very soon. Thank you, James. Thanks, James. Shuan and Jakub Krupa are MLEX reporters covering future mobility and they've put together a fascinating special report which is ready for you to download and enjoy. It's readily available at the MLEX website and the address is, of course, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's mlexmarketinsight, all one word, dot com. And it teases out a lot of the issues that we've been discussing today and over the past few weeks with Shuan and Jakub. And that's where we'll leave this special edition of the MLEX podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. And we appear in your feed every Friday afternoon GMT. I'm James Paniki and from everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company today. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now.